0: Hello, and welcome to PCB Chat, where we talk with experts across the printed circuit design, manufacturing, and electronics supply chain fields. I'm Chelsea Drysdale, Chief Content Officer of the Printed Circuit Engineering Association. I'm joined by Mike Buto, President of PCEA. Environment issues have been front and center in electronics for decades. Most engineers today Remember when the restriction of the use of hazardous substances in electronics, or ROHAS, first went into effect in July 2006. Today's guest has been helping electronics designers and manufacturers work their way through this complicated and changing set of requirements since the beginning. Michael Kirchner of Design Chain Associates is a product environmental compliance and safety expert, and Circular Economy Thought Leader. He's going to update us on the status of Rojas, including the possibility, am I getting too far ahead, that it might be nearing its own end of life. Hello, Mike, and welcome to PCB Chat.
1: Hi, Chelsea. Thank you for uh, having me.
0: On your LinkedIn page, which we follow, you have called attention to the ongoing public consultation period of Rojas which I believe ends later this month. What is your general sense of the EC's environmental goals with this latest comment period?
1: Well, thank thank you, first of all, for following uh, my page on LinkedIn. The goals, the European Commission's goals, uh, I I think they're going to be bringing Ross into, uh, and by the way, Ross, Rojas, Rose, ROHS, however you want to pronounce it, they've never given us any guidelines. Um, I think they're going to bring it into alignment with the Circular Economy Action Plan. Um, And just what they're going to do should have been defined, I think, in their Circular Electronics Initiative, which was supposed to be published a few months ago, but uh, still hasn't been released. So, uh, you know, to answer the question... Uh, I, I kind of would have to look back at the uh, the call for evidence, which is really what you're asking about here. This is the the call for the open stakeholder consultation that's ongoing right now. It's almost over, I think.
0: I think I saw March 14th as the deadline.
1: Yeah, yeah, March 14th. So there's not much time. They're required. The, the commission was required by the Ross Directive to uh, – an article 24 paragraph two specifically to uh, carry out a general review of the directive and present a report to the European parliament and council accompanied by if appropriate, a legislative proposal that was supposed to be in place by uh, July 22nd, last year, they did get uh, the general review that a consultancy, actually a couple of consultancies produced, but, um, they did not get a legislative proposal. Right? That's what they're working on now. Um, and they've gotten a lot of input and complaints over the last decade uh, about, you know, twenty eleven sixty five 65 EU. Uh, so I, I, I think um, they've identified in this call for evidence things they want to deal with or they believe that they have to deal with, like scope problems, which they've addressed. They've, uh, and there's, there's still a few out outstanding. Um, the FAQ, uh, has not been revised since 2012. It's kind of a, at this point, uh, hopelessly out of date and really needs expansion in certain, uh, certain areas. One of the big ones that I've run across and so of others is the discussion of what is meant by large scale, particularly when it's addressing uh, large scale installations. Um, the biggest issues is probably, well, there's two big issues, uh, the exemption renewal process and the substance review process. The exemption renewal process is probably the one that's affected most, most people, most manufacturers, um, they initially had 18 months from the time the uh, exemption uh, renewal application date ended to come up with an answer about whether they were going to actually renew the exemption. Um, and that you know year and a half turned into years. Uh, so that that was very optimistic. The first time around they got 80 some odd exemption re- uh, renewal applications. So and now we're seeing, seeing again the same problem, because we've got uh, exemptions that we're supposed to, uh, well, actually that are going to be expiring in 2024, and we don't have clear indication of when those, uh, of whether those exemptions are going to be renewed or not. The substance review process, um, that's challenging as well because we don't have a clear, uh, understanding, um, of what, you know, the methodology is for selection and evaluation. Uh, we have a draft process from, uh, from the commission, but not an actual process. And here we are 20 years into, uh, ROHS. And it's unclear to a lot of people why it differs from the REACH process, which is pretty well described, uh, the evaluation part of, uh, REACH. Um, and, then we've also got the Eco Design Directive, which uh, all of a sudden, uh, 2019 bans uh, an entire class of halogenated flame retardants from enclosures for uh, monitors, displays, uh, and televisions. So we, th- there's multiple different paths for a substance to get restricted and affect a, an electronic product. Um, and then we do have, you know, the ROS process itself, as I mentioned, uh, which is fairly unclear, but it looks like it's going to result in a couple of substances getting, uh, restricted at some point here in the near future, perhaps under ROS3 or whatever replaces it. Uh, one of which, uh, is going to affect, uh, the printed circuit board industry and that's tetrabromo bisphenol A. Um, if that gets, restricted it may or may not have an impact uh, i don't see it having a significant impact because uh, tbbpa is not present in printed circuit boards uh, since it's reacted uh, to form the epoxy for uh, for board material uh, as well as mold compounds for ic's and other devices uh, where it's still being used um it's it's just any uh any uh remaining level of uh The substance can't exceed whatever the limit is, probably 1,000 ppm. Those are kind of what I I see as the the big issues, but they also say enforcement has been challenging, particularly with e-commerce. And then there are certain unclear and outdated provisions on spare parts or scope and insufficient provisions to support the circular economy, e.g. for secondary resources. So... That's kind of a long-winded answer to to that question.
0: As a follow-up, the EC says this version initiative will simplify and increase the efficiency of the current rules and improve their enforcement. How so?
1: Well, that's in one of the options they're suggesting as a possible outcome of this process. Uh, They say they're going to clarify and improve the exemption criteria and process clarify and improve the substance restriction trigger criteria and process both of which I mentioned uh before um ensure coherence with other legislation primarily reach and eco design and improve implementation and enforcement how they're going to improve enforcement is unclear to me actually yeah not on that side of the of the the fence of course but uh by making it a, a regulation, for instance, I think that could make it easier because then all the uh, member states have a, essentially the same regulation uh, to look after. They may have their own enforcement regulations separately still, um, but uh, you know, at least they'll have, they'll have the uh, the same regulation. I, I, I think in order to improve that, they would have to... Uh, specify uh, more common enforcement criteria and mechanisms across all the member states. Cause right now they're very different. They're very different. You know, some places you can go to jail, other places you might just get fined for the same offense.
0: What's the proposed timeline for the latest rev?
1: Um, well, according to the commission uh, work program for 2022, Uh, The revision of uh, Ross is planned for the last quarter of 2022. So sometime later this year, whether they hit that, we don't know.
0: (laughs) Um, In a post on LinkedIn, you suggested that EC could eliminate Ross. What are the chances of that? If it does, what are the implications for the market?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Um, so I didn't really suggest that. Um, the, the the commission did. So they they gave us several uh, possible options. One of which is just you know, repealing the Ross directive and incorporating its provisions into the Reach regulation. I don't think that's going to happen because they're two completely different regu- regulatory. Uh, um, uh, regulatory uh, mechanisms reach uh has a a much broader horizontal scope it's it regulates chemicals across virtually no not not entirely but almost all applications of them um, ross is uh, in the electronics vertical period uh, ross restricts the homogeneous level and reach Um, at least the disclosure aspect of it uh, in the authorization part, uh, the candidate for list uh, of substances is a very high concern. That's at the article level, which is a different level than homogeneous materials. Uh, We've all had to learn all these crazy terms here. (laughs) Um, And the restriction mechanism under reach is... Uh, just all over the map. It's very dependent upon what the chemical is and how it's used, where it's used, and uh, what the markets are, etc. Um, the other possible way they could repeal the Ross directive is add by adding it. Uh, sorry, addressing product requirements related to the environmentally sound recovery and disposal of electrical and electronic waste under sustainable products legislation, i.e. in the context of the sustainable products initiative or revising the eco-design directive. So they're t- now this is an option where they tie together, Ross, with uh, the eco-design uh, Directive uh, framework directive, which is 2009-125-EC. Implementing measures are written for that for specific product verticals that uh, historically have only focused on energy, but the eco-design uh, framework directive allowed them much greater latitude about what they could address under that. And in the past few years, as I noted before, the uh, for monitors, displays, and uh, TVs, uh, they, for instance, added. Uh, a, a ban on halogenated flame retardants. They're also addressing um, other other aspects of uh, materials and circular product design that are beyond energy and uh, energy use to other uh, uh, other uh, implementing measures. You know, to the, to the extent that they're actually specifying functionality for products. In some cases, you know, your, your dishwasher has a has to have a specific mode with a specific name now, for instance. <laughs> it's pretty uh, pretty wild. Uh, they also say they could uh, just maintain the ROS directive as it stands and update the FAQ. I think that would be a big mistake because the ROS directive has problems. Um, they say they could simplify and clarify the ROS directive by introducing and revising legislative measures, uh, and other message, uh, measures. Um, and, and that's what I was referring to before where I rattled off, uh, clarifying, improving the exemption criteria process, substance restriction triggers, et cetera. That one's, I think, fairly likely. They say they could transform the Ross directive into a regulation. That also is fairly, uh, uh, fairly likely. So I I think those two are really the most likely approach moving forward as opposed to just wiping it out altogether or incorporating it into REACH or leaving it as is.
0: One criticism of Ross is that analysis testing is burdensome and lacks consistent measures, thus the potential for discrepancies. Would this issue be resolved if the substance of very high concern requirement replaced Ross, as some have suggested? (laughs)
1: Um, Well, so first of all, testing is not a requirement of Ross. And uh, disclosure, particularly at the article level, which is the SVHC requirement, um, for those of us not based in the EU and subject to the authorization aspect of reach where SVHC disclosure uh, ultimately can become a ban um, unless you're authorized to use the SVHC. Um, and that's just not the same as restriction at the homogeneous material level, which is the Ross approach. So that's just not going to happen. Um, I, I, I'm not sure who, who is thinking that uh, uh, the SVHC Requirement is going to replace ROSP. That's unlikely. Testing is just not something that uh, uh, I I think is the right approach. The preferable method is to simply get the compliance documentation from your supplier. I think testing is an appropriate mechanism to keep your suppliers honest or to verify their information as needed. But it's not really a solid or reliable primary mechanism to ensure compliance against the Ross directive requirements, which are at the homogeneous material level. And testing is simply not going to get you the data you need, including the detailed exemption information at that level, at a cost that's reasonable. I mean, it's going to cost it costs like 200 bucks to test at least, to test a part to even see if it's got... Uh, Ross uh, substances in it. If you have a complex product with thousands of unique parts, that can really exceed uh, a a rational amount of money. And even if it doesn't, even if you've only got a handful of parts, it's unclear to me what testing testing gets you. You have to do it for every lot of every component that's used in your product over time unless your supplier can guarantee lot-to-lot consistency and you believe them. Um, And if they have process control and you believe them, then why are you testing? So I I, I think people need to uh, reread IEC 63,000, which is the harmonized standard defined uh, really by industry and approved by the European commission to replace the testing requirement. which is defined by the new legislative framework, seven sixty eight slash two thousand eight slash EC, because testing again is just it's, it's just not rational. Um, it's it's just it, you yeah, know this is this is why manufacturers post their material composition or post uh, sometimes useful, very often useless. Uh, certificates of compliance on the websites. Uh, So you don't have to test, but sometimes you may have to inquire a bit more deeply of the suppliers to make sure that what they're giving you is actually meaningful. That's another whole, whole story.
0: What can we expect in terms of a ripple effect to other markets if, or when this version of Ross is ratified?
1: That's a good question. It may influence them. It may not. Uh, countries who are trying to become EU member states will generally be more likely to implement uh, whatever changes the commission makes. Uh, but others like China are under no such obligation and they're going to aggressively remind you of their sovereignty when you ask them about it. So yeah, they don't, they don't have any, uh, any obligation to do so. If I remember right, You've started your career as an electronics designer. I've done that sort of work. Yeah, I've had a long and sorted career, <laughs> <laughs> mostly in semiconductor quality and reliability and uh, component engineering, but I've also done uh, electronic design work, software development, all kinds of things. I'm, I'm guessing the term circular economy wasn't really part of your vocabulary back then. No, definitely not. So the idea, if I understand it right, the idea of the circular economy is to extend the useful life of products and materials by creating these loops of the materials and products circulating in the economy. So if this is the end of Rojas, and it doesn't seem likely it is just based on the conversation here, what does that mean for the circular economy? And in your opinion, does the alphabet soup of other regulations, you know, in uh, in particular we, Um, enhance that loop as well as as they could? Great question. Great question. I don't think we has been as successful as the commission has expected it to be. That's why I think we're seeing them talk about the circular economy. Uh, They have been less than successful in achieving a their goals for the percent of uh, uh, e-waste that's actually properly recycled. They're somewhere around 40% right now, according to their own data. And I think they expected it to be above 60% by now, but even that's not enough. Fundamentally, uh, we're still using the the classical uh, linear product uh, lifecycle process to both design products and manufacture them. And really manufacturers haven't made any changes to, to process or design uh, to products to make them more recyclable or more reusable. They've just you know paid the amount of money that the uh, recyclers are asking and the member states are asking. And said, okay, it's your problem now. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, 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 that's what the circular economy is about, is, okay, th- we've had enough of this. We've got this Green New Deal and, uh, I'm sorry, the European Green Deal, right? Um, uh, the New Deal was uh, FDRs. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need a, a Green New Deal. I think that's AOCs now. Um <laughs> But they're in this, like I said, the, the, the circular electronics initiative uh, was kind of supposed to give us a sense of how this is all going to change. Uh, because we do have all these alphabet soups uh, regulations, as you as you said, that affect electronics in kind of a, a piecemeal um, and different manna- manner. Uh, I th- think they're going to tie this all together, or try to tie this all together. Um, to be more sensible and coherent uh, rather than have, you know, we have ROS, we have REACH, we have eco design, we have uh, the POPs uh, regulation, we have packaging, we have batteries, all of these different regulations um, impacting one aspect or another, another of an electronic product and of the design of that that product. Um, I don't know how they, they, uh, uh, plan to make it more coherent, but, uh, I certainly expect to see changes to a regulation that simply bans substances like Ross, uh, to make it more circular. For instance, um, if you don't control If you simply ban a substance and don't control what the replacement is, you may or may not get a more environmentally preferable substance from the manufacturer. Manufacturers are generally going to do what's least expensive and most expedient. And if that least expensive, most expedient alternative is not uh, the uh, most environmentally preferable, or if it's about the same as what already is what's being banned. Then, you know, there you go. Uh, and that's happened. That's happened a couple times with Ross specifically. Um, it turns out that, uh, for instance, uh, the tin lead solder, uh, LCA, uh, versus the tin silver copper LCA, uh, are about the same. You're really not getting, a significant improvement in environmental performance from going to tin, silver, copper. When you look at the whole life cycle of tin, silver, and copper in that application, and uh, uh, versus tin and lead, according to the US EPA's uh, LCA of them all and the analysis of that LCA LCA uh, information. Um, another example and these are regrettable substitutions because you're just going to have to replace them again. Um, we replaced diphenyl ethane or ether, diphenyl ether with what it was banned by Ross with diphenyl ethane, both extremely similar molecules. The ethane is a drop-in replacement in most uh, ABS plastics for uh, the ether. And it's a, pretty similar in terms of not only functionality but in terms of toxicity so Canada is actually banning that now they've gotten ahead of the EU um, so <laughs> you know unless they unless they control these these other substances and really drive the industry towards uh, improving the environmental performance they're simply going to be uh, putting the industry on a uh, and themselves on a treadmill and we won't be able to get off. Uh, so hopefully they'll, they'll uh, be a little smarter, I think, about how they implement uh, the Ross recast and how uh, they implement the uh, circular economy requirements moving forward. It's going to be very challenging for them and for the industry.
0: So if listeners have a takeaway from all of this, what should it be?
1: Hold on tight. <laughs> I, I think if, if you hear this and you have a chance to uh, uh, submit a uh, comment to the European Commission, do it um, by the 14th. Uh, if you don't have a chance to do that, keep your eye on this process because there will be, uh, I expect, another stakeholder consultation Uh, once we see the draft of uh, the Ross recast, which will be Ross three. I think that will be the term of art for it. Um, In addition, just in general uh, manufacturers have to take this stuff seriously. Um, Manufacturers are not immovable objects, but I think the European commission is an unstoppable force, right? So, uh, they will win, <laughs> <You> know, it, <laughs> um, but they need coherent feedback from uh, the industry. They really do uh, because they're not experts in what we do. And uh, I think they have a lot more uh, power and leeway than they probably should have in this space because uh, there is no good counterbalance to them. Um, you know when they have hundreds and hundreds of toxicologists working at the European Chemicals Agency, um, as well as the the JRC, the Joint Research Center, um, they have an enormous amount of expertise uh, within the Commission to study this stuff and deal with it. And industry doesn't. We we the electronics industry, regardless of how huge it is, has those resources. Really limited at the, uh, to the the largest of large manufacturers. So, and we don't we don't uh, have a separate think tank that focuses on this area to uh, help guide the industry and help the industry move toward uh, where it's going to need to, as well as uh, uh, provide coherent feedback to uh, the commission and other governments that uh, think they think they know what's best, you know, in a lot of ways they do, but in a lot of ways, uh, I think they need some, they need some guidance. You know, we've, we've produced products for the very, very long time (laughs) without thinking (laughs) about the environment and uh, we're kind of paying for it now. So uh, that's really where we have to focus and governments are forcing us down that path, whether we like it or not, we have to have to accept that manufacturers have to start spending the money, spending the resources, and uh, really taking it seriously. Otherwise, it's just going to be more and more pain.
0: Thank you so much for your insights today and for joining us on PCB Chat. Our guest has been Michael Kirshner of Design Chain Associates. You can follow him on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Design Chain, or look him up at designchainassociates.com. For PCB chat, this is Chelsea Drysdale. Have a nice day.